Chapter 32 Forest Gwen's increased cautiousness around August, as though he couldn't quite tell whether August was going to betray him or not after treating him so gently, was a bruise in August's chest that he couldn't shake. In amongst his fury at Gwen for almost getting himself killed, his impatience with Gwen's ignorance, his disgust with Gwen's upbringing, was an affection that grew the more he thought about Gwen and all he'd survived. How, after all that, he still kissed sweetly, still tried to be careful of his hands and his body, could lay his hands so gently on August's side, was a combination of traits that August couldn't have guessed at the first time they'd met. It was a revelation that while August had been thinking of a way to get Gwen out of the Seely Court, Gwen had gone and gotten himself tortured to try and make sure that August might actually stand a chance if released. Invisibility. August couldn't quite wrap his mind around it. That's a very extreme case of one-upmanship, and he really should be broken of that, because he's just showing you up now. Gwen's crescendo of panic and fear, while August had made love to him, had told him all he needed to know and more besides. The dazed, lost creature that had mentally blanked in the bathroom afterwards, had gone limp with a bone-deep exhaustion, was, August thought, too vulnerable to be allowed. But it was easy to underestimate Gwen. He'd gone through two weeks of torture, he'd ruined himself, yet he still managed strength and even wit. Gwen's vulnerability was like August. It seemed so obvious once witnessed, but almost no one was allowed to witness it. August was aware of the privilege, and not interested any longer in deluding himself into thinking he'd forced it from him. He'd seen how Gwen could mentally check out of something he wasn't interested in talking about or experiencing. It highlighted all the more how much of a gift it was when Gwen didn't do that. And so Gwen had endured for him. He'd bravely faced everything August had shown him, even though he'd struggled and was tired and had scraped agony into August's back in a vindictive show that August was faintly proud of but he'd also broken beneath the weight of gentleness in a way he never had for anything else. It was one thing to know objectively that Gwen hadn't experienced much by the way of genuine, lasting care. It was another thing to see it, to experience it, to feel muscles shaking in terror beneath his fingers and hear the fractured way Gwen had begged for it to be over. August couldn't even taunt him for it. The whole situation was too sad, too pathetic. It left August hollow and aching, because what future waited for him, for either of them? Gwen didn't believe August carried affection for him, and August didn't know what would happen if he was released. He oscillated between cockily thinking he was a survivor and he'd be fine, and wondering if Ash would be mourning him within twenty-four hours of his release. And August was no idiot. He saw the way Gwen looked at him. Gwen would not take it well if August went and got killed immediately after his release. And release? He could hardly imagine it he didn't know exactly what he'd do. He'd need a new lake, a new home. Gulvy would probably try to kill him, first in a very long line of other fae who would like to as well. At the forefront of his mind, he thought of Ash with a fond, desperate yearning. Things had not been okay between them for so long before he'd been captured, not since the very first time August's life had been turned upside down by... August shook himself, rolled his eyes. It wasn't worth getting worked up over, he wasn't released yet. He didn't have the new power yet. He had quite enough to be dealing with in the CV court. Then there were other things that intrigued him. Gwen had access to materials and stock that August didn't when he was in power in the unseely court. 
The Troes could get things that he struggled to get his own servants to find when he'd been king, and the Troes did it so easily. August had access to higher-quality fabrics, to bolts of water-wicking material which weren't ever likely to be replicated, woven from extinct spiders, soaked and spun from the cocoons of the tiny red merling birds which hadn't been seen for centuries. They didn't just find him things that he wanted. They found him things they thought he wanted. When he pulled a high-quality rapier from the treasury, recognizing the maker and grinning when he'd realized it was of unseely make, the two troes he'd befriended had turned up three days later with a better-quality rapier from the same smith. August wasn't sure, but it seemed to have magical properties, and it definitely had very nice balance to it. For all that he couldn't just leave whenever he wanted to, he had things to do with his time. He had new things to try, new herbs to play with, new foods to eat. He had been out of touch with the sensualities of life. He hadn't permitted them when he'd been trying to overtake the Raven Prince's court. Back then, anything that had been indulgent made him feel as though he was wasting his time, as though he was forgetting that the only thing that mattered was revenge. But revenge wasn't the only thing that mattered now, and August was slowly remembering what it was to mix tinctures, which had come in handy when Gwen came back so injured his bones weren't knitting together properly. He was remembering how to design clothing, remembering the tricks of outfitting his own body, learning new things about what he liked in fashion. He was remembering what it was to simply be. In rediscovering these things, he reminded himself of what he'd lacked for so long, what he lacked now, what he might never have in the future. Still, there's nothing that can be done about it except go and bother Gwen some more, and maybe ask those trolls for some other impossible ingredient just to see them heed the Fey Kingdom pariah. August sighed and lowered his book to his chest. He'd stopped reading it some time ago. He wondered what Gwen was doing. He decided to find out. I don't want to talk about it, Gwen snarled. Gwen was in his personal training arena, hammering the life out of several wooden dummies with a sword. Sparks flew whenever he cut straight through wood into the metal frames, and August raised his eyebrows and felt his breathing quicken when Gwen simply hammered at the metal frames themselves until they gave under the weight of his sword. There was a keen, brute strength to Gwen that he had always been aware of, but never really seen, until he'd watched him train in his own palace. It made him wonder what Gwen looked like in the middle of a melee, at the front of a battle line. All that musculature bunched and gathered and released under the force of his blows, and it was clear that he was a product of war, training, hours of physical effort that August didn't have the time to bother with himself. But as much as he wanted to admire, he had other things on his mind. As fun as it is to watch Gwen kill metal. What delights did the kingdom bring you today? Gwen growled, indicating he'd heard the question, and then planted his feet and sheared through a damaged section of metal, throwing an arc of sparks onto the floor, where they winked for several seconds before slowly fading away. After that, August decided that admiring Gwen put his body to work wouldn't be such a bad way to pass the time, and he leaned against the railing, a fairly safe distance away, and simply watched as Gwen murdered inanimate objects as though his life depended on it. He was dripping sweat by the time he stopped, visibly tired. A muscle in his shoulder was locked in repeated spasms, and August watched it idly, fingers itching to press into the trigger points that would unlock the tension. He doubted Gwen would let him near, and August didn't trust that he wouldn't torment instead. Confound her, Gwen said weakly, shaking sweat out of his wet hair in a gesture that reminded him so profoundly of Ash, August turned away for several seconds. That delightful mother of yours? 
August said, trying to concentrate. <sighs> she thinks she can corner me in my own court, threaten me. She doesn't think she can. That's obviously what she did. August straightened, fingers curling around the railing. Gwen rarely talked about his relationship with his mother. He'd gathered that his relationship with Leed was terrifying and marked with much one-sided violence. But there was a sinister element to Gwen's relationship with Creel. Gwen didn't talk about the things that bothered him most. August didn't think it was a coincidence that Gwen had talked more about Leed's monstrosities before he'd ever revealed the slightest thing about Creel. She's ahead of me, Gwen rasped. She's ahead of me in the game, and I don't know what she has planned. I can't see it. Since she discovered that I had a hand in Ethnician's death, she's been... I'm sorry, what? August said, eyes narrowing. Did I not tell you? <laughs> Gwen laughed weakly. I thought I told you. No, you daft idiot, you tell me nothing. She thinks I killed him, Gwen said, and August felt something cold sink through the center of him. Of course, I can't tell her otherwise. Not that I think the world is lacking for Ethnician no longer being a part of it. But since then, she's been... You should have dissembled better, August said, and Gwen glared at him. A moment later, his expression went cold, and that was even worse. Gwen was unpredictable when the emotion cleared from his face, and there was nothing more than that vague dissatisfaction stamped into his features. Except I forgot that you can't keep your mind straight around her, August added. Gwen opened his mouth to respond, and then shook his head abruptly and itched at his neck where sweat dripped down. He stretched out his shoulder, stared off and looked at something only he could see. I only wish it was a bluff, Gwen said, absently. She's not bluffing. I don't think she expects me to see out the year. <laughs> I don't like her chances, August laughed. You're not dead yet. Gwen stared at him for so long that August's laughter disappeared and the smile melted from his face. And what did her cruelty look like when you lived with her? August said. Gwen scratched at the back of his head and shrugged. He walked out of the training room through a door that August could only access if he ducked under the barrier, and August was just about to when he saw the sudden flare of light indicating that Gwen was using his tried-and-true method of teleporting away from a conversation he didn't want to have. Cheat. August kept his senses open for Gwen's return, and the next morning he was wandering the corridors when he realized that Gwen's scent was getting stronger. Copper and iron and... fear. More than usual. August felt his heart give a sudden hiccup of panic. Gwen wasn't the only one who'd experienced increased worry after his encounter with Tigbalon. Whenever Gwen disappeared now, August couldn't help but wonder if this would be it. If Gwen would get himself killed, and August would be slaughtered soon after, wondering if he could have done something differently to prevent their fates falling in the same idiotic direction. He opened the door to Gwen's room without knocking, paused in the doorway. The room was filled with the scent of it, the acridity of Gwen's fear, and yet he was simply sitting on the edge of his bed, slumped against a sturdy post, looking down at the floor as though he were tired and relaxed. It was a lie. Gwen looked at him slowly, raising his head as though it was too heavy to bear. Creel, August said, and Gwen smiled bitterly, as though he wished it were. Tigbalon bragged, Gwen said, rubbing a hand over his face. That thing you said he might do, he did. Apparently, he went to the Unsealy Court and told everyone. I've had a deal with Golvi asking what I could get from him that I couldn't get from her. And then Albion. Gwen looked towards the ceiling. 
They both couldn't see through it, but August knew from what he'd seen of the more forested areas of the Seely Palace that it looked like a glowing, golden day outside, as it always did. It never seemed to storm or rain in the Seely Court. Tigbalong can't breach his own nature. He can't tell anyone what you traded for. He didn't need to, Gwen spat. What would I let myself be beaten for two weeks for, if not to trade for a new power? Albion wanted to know what I could possibly need that I would let myself be sullied by some unseely fay in such a fashion. And Creel, oh, she. Gwen swallowed thickly and then squeezed his eyes shut. When no one was looking, she leaned in and told me that if I missed father so much, she could happily organize for someone to come and treat me so. August felt a flash of something hot inside of him, followed by an oozing, cold rage. His fingers twitched by his sides. He took a slow breath in, held it for several seconds. Though alongside it, a sliver of gratitude. He'd brought up Creel, and Gwen had escaped the conversation, and now in their next meeting, Gwen was talking about her more openly. August didn't know if that was a conscious decision on his behalf, but he recognized that it must have taken some mental gymnastics for Gwen to be able to even mention it. He held his tongue and took in how drawn Gwen looked. August wondered how much it cost him not to retreat to the madness, not to lose himself in the need to destroy everything around him. If you can be bothered to lift your weary head, you might like to consider leaving for a little while. Don't you find forests regenerative? Why aren't you in one? Gwen rolled his shoulders in an attempt at a shrug. Come along, then. Take us somewhere outside of this court. Perhaps somewhere I'm not likely to be murdered immediately. Or escape, Gwen muttered. Honestly. Not today. I mean, really, out of all the opportunities I've had, and there's been a few, Gwen, do you think it would be now? When you look like you'd tip into your hunt-happy madness quite easily? Just because you have no sense of self-preservation doesn't mean I have to hitch up to that wagon. Come along. Creel has always been evil, and courts will always be terrible. The Seely Court most of all, especially while Creel seems to be running most of it. Let's go somewhere there is no court. He realized as he began to push for it, his Dreoct was winding up inside of him, a sign that he needed the break more than he'd realized. He'd had a taste of it at that eye-opening wasteland Gwen had taken him to. Just being away from the court would have to help, and he'd noticed that Gwen hadn't been leaving as often at a time when he may have benefited from it the most. At the very least, the static buzz of Seely in the back of my head will disappear for a time. Gwen was watching him, expressions moving across his face, each a tired version of a usually vitalized emotion. There was suspicion in the narrowing of his eyes and the slight tightening of his lips, and then on its heels, a sort of relief, his eyebrows twisting up and together, as though he hadn't considered just leaving himself. Such a perfect prisoner that he imprisons himself. I'd give Leith an award right before I murdered him. Gwen stood up and walked past him, and August wondered if the conversation was over. Instead, Gwen went to his wall and took his recurve bow down, picked up his quiver of arrows, strapping it over his shoulder. August resisted reacting to that, keeping his expression even. He hadn't entirely forgotten the indignity of being hunted by that very bow with arrows very like those. And when Gwen looked down at his bow and then up at August, it seemed that Gwen was remembering the same event. At least he didn't remember it fondly. Gwen held his hand out, and August took it, wondering if perhaps suggesting they go to a forest while Gwen had a bow and arrows was a recipe for disaster. Then again, he liked disasters. They were so much more interesting than the status quo, and they gave him something to do with his time. Light transported them away, and August breathed a sigh of relief as soon as he felt the constraints of the Seely Court leave them before they'd materialized anywhere.
They landed before a small wooden cabin. But it wasn't the structure that took August's notice, but the fact that all the plants, shrubs, trees nearby had somehow been landscaped. There was a harmony to them. He looked around, wide-eyed, because they all belonged in the ecosystem. The towering silver oaks with their metallic leaves quivering in the breeze, only found in the fey world. There was wick elm with its stunning bright green leaves, and shorter strands of hazel with dense bushy canopies perfect for hiding behind and keeping watching eyes away. There was also the very rare fairy hornbeam, attractive to the diminutive fairy species. Are we on the face side of Surrey? August asked. Does that seem safe to you? I've often found that the best hiding grounds are the ones where no one expects you to go. But you need not fear, August. This land is watered, and the spells will last for as long as I am king. The cabin is yours, then? Yes, Gwen said simply, walking off towards it. There was already something more relaxed, awake about his tone. August followed, and then was brought up short by a row of tetherwort. Did you find the land like this? What fay did it? Gwen paused, turned. A small, shy smile was on his face. It's pleasing, he hedged. You? August said, looking around at the carefully crafted landscape around him. It was designed to create a clearing, screen the cabin, but be aesthetic. But August was most impressed by the fact that Gwen had tried to create a sort of ecosystem of his own. All the plants belonged in this forest, and Gwen had simply put them where he thought they might be most attractive to the naked eye. It was... startling. For a machine of death and destruction, it was an artisanal craftsmanship that made something warm pool in his heart. It was akin to watching him work on his maps, craft his calligraphy. Gwen walked toward him and looked up at the silvery oaks himself. As if on cue, and it very well might have been, August realized, a crisp wind sprung up and made the trees sing. And these trees were not new, were not even hundreds of years old. They were ancient. Where have you taken me? August said. How old is this place? How old is that cabin? Gwen cleared his throat nervously. A hand came up and moved uncertainly through his own hair, disturbing curls, unsettling everything. August walked up to him in an instant, reached up and settled it again. Gwen watched him, bemused. There was a faint hint of confusion, even indulgence on his face, expressions that he rarely saw on the court itself. His hand started to curve towards Gwen's cheek, and something flickered in Gwen's expression. He stepped away. You told me that I needed a place away from everything. Truthfully, I'd had forest cabins before I saw you, but I didn't visit them as much when I started winning all my campaigns. I became quite entrenched in battle culture. I was surrounded by soldiers. And if I remember rightly, fucking them and occasionally whoring yourself out to them when hammered. Gwen stilled. Ah, sensitive subject. Well, rape usually is. For Gwen had never said as much, but anyone who wandered into camp so drunk they couldn't possibly consent, and allowed themselves to be taken, as Gwen had framed it, had likely had at least one or two moments of wanting to rescind their permission. And his soldiers. August knew they wouldn't all have likely been gentle with him. But August also knew that Gwen would never see it as anything other than muddled, drunken sexual exploits, and he let it lie as much as he could let anything lie. I built this after I saw you, Gwen continued. I planted the land around it. I knew it would take some time to grow, but I thought it might be well to have something to focus on that wasn't battle. I had abandoned much of my love of cartography and rediscovered it again in the process of spending time here.
It's peaceful, Olga said. The best part was it didn't feel like the city court. Everything else was just a bonus. The worst part was that it hinted at that deep undercurrent of sweetness that Gwen had in his nature. That, beneath the brute and the beast, and August appreciated both of those parts of Gwen very much, usually, was this gentler creature who had earned the name Sweetness. It attracted him, but it was also repellent. It made Gwen too easy to attack, too easy to dig his fingers into the soft parts of him and squeeze and suffocate. He didn't trust himself. He wanted to cherish it and then rip at it, watch him squirm. Perhaps it was only that he hadn't hunted properly in too long, but he couldn't be certain. "'Do you want to see the inside of the cabin?' Gwen said, and the hesitancy in his voice made August want to lash out. August only raised his eyebrows and then gestured with his hand for Gwen to lead the way. The door opened without a creak. The inside was preserved. It was spacious enough for a single room of generous size. There was a long, single bed with what looked like a handmade mattress that still smelled faintly of preserved heather and possibly down. Cured pelts were rocked all over it, or Gwen hadn't bothered to make the bed the last time he'd left. There was a single window, a desk that had a single fountain pen broken down into its component parts. It was the walls that fascinated August. August was drawn to them while Gwen put down the bow and the quiver of arrows on the bed. The walls were pinned with what looked like slivers of bone, holding in place intricate maps drawn in Gwen's distinct and sophisticated hand. The lettering was more ornate, with more flourishes, great care taken. August walked up to one and placed his hand on the parchment, feeling it brittle beneath his fingers. It had been poor-quality parchment when Gwen had started, because the magic in the cabin would have preserved it as it was in the moment. He wondered at that. Surely Gwen could have afforded better. "'Why maps?' August said, tracing the curve of a river through a region he didn't recognize. And for how long has this been a hobby of yours? Gwen walked up to one of the other maps, this one at least a meter across, inscribed almost entirely in shades of brown and green. He leaned into it and smelled it, scenting the inks, perhaps. When he leaned away, there was an expression on Gwen's face that made August hungry to consume it. His eyes were closed, lashes delicately balanced, the slightest smile at the corners of his mouth no lines at all on his forehead. He was beautiful, and once more August couldn't decide if he wanted to cherish or if he wanted to dig, but he wanted him, and it was such an unexpected flood through him that he had to focus on his breathing, remind himself that he wasn't like this, and certainly not for someone like Gwen. Gwen, August prompted, voice harsh. Ah, uh, Gwen said, startling, the expression disappearing. August wanted to screech that he'd removed it, but he was finding it harder to concentrate. In the relative freedom outside the city court, it wasn't thoughts of escape that found him, but thoughts of Gwen, of wanting to understand him better. His life had been turned upside down, certainly, but did it have to be so damned humiliating? All the typical reasons, I suppose. I like knowing a place, and I enjoy exploration, so it isn't much of a matter to measure the region in my mind and illustrate it when I return. It was also, you can possibly imagine, the only way I could do anything like it at the Anfinway estate. I wasn't permitted to get tutoring in the arts, though I think I asked. Gwen's brow furrowed in thought. I don't remember. I was quite young when I asked. <laughs> that was back when I thought I still had a chance of ever being listened to. Gwen laughed softly, and August felt like leaning against the wall and scratching the wood up underneath his fingernails. He pushed away thoughts of Gwen's family, how murderous they made him feel and focused on Gwen instead. 
So you cheated the system, August said, smiling. He waved a hand at all the maps on the wall. This was your way of getting something your father didn't want you to have. I suppose, yes, Gwen said, shrugging. He didn't like it, but how could he protest, truly? My maps were accurate, and they were of a high standard. They had to be, or he would have made me stop. So I made sure I could produce strategy-worthy maps, and then he couldn't stop me, because I was being asked to produce them for others. Clever, August said, and Gwen's eyes widened in shock. He raised his eyebrows as though he couldn't quite believe what he'd heard, and August didn't feel like pushing the matter. It was enough that he'd said it in the first place. I passed a lot of time here, Gwen said, turning back to the map and tracing a jagged line a few words with his fingertip. After I saw you, after my center changed, I needed somewhere I could go and be away from people. Was it lonely? No, Gwen said, turning and leaning his back against the wall, folding his arms. Should it have been? No, August said, shaking his head. He knew better than most how fulfilling aloneness could be. My master scriber was very good. He taught me how to source and make my own inks, my quills, even how to make fountain pens, though I prefer buying them. He was very patient with me, because often when trying to learn the nuances of the letter, my skill with my hands was clumsy. Training with bows and swords all week, or hand-to-hand combat, made them ill-suited to the finery of calligraphy. I had to put in extra time to make sure I would improve. I was slowest at cartography when compared to anything else I did. Did you ever feel like giving up? August said, watching as Gwen looked down at his own calloused hands. Sometimes, Gwen said, frowning. Master Ethwin told me not to, asked that I be patient. He said if I wanted to learn how to scribe the stories of the land, I had to wait for the land to speak to me anyway. He said it was better if it took some time to learn, so I couldn't rush it. And now I like the patience of it, the time it takes. I'm no master cartographer like Master Earthwin, but I think he'd be pleased that I was still doing it. Maybe. He died? He was killed. Gwen sighed and his hands dropped. Of course, that's the risk cartographers run in the Fey world, I suppose. He was taken hostage by an unseelie clan of Ambaros, who insisted he map out a hostile region. He refused, thinking they bluffed when they'd said they'd kill him. It wasn't a bluff. No one had time to mount a rescue operation. It was a great loss to our... Uh, to... to the Seelie side. Gwen closed his eyes, pained, and August realized something he hadn't quite fit into place yet. They might not be your people, but you've been fighting for them, on their side, all your life. I think it still counts as your side. You may be right. Of course I'm right, August thought. August realized with some surprise that being here in the cabin, out in the forest, was helping. Gwen was alert, his eyes were brighter, his shoulders were higher than before. Everything about him was not exactly animated, but certainly more infused with life. He hadn't expected the change to happen so fast, if it happened at all, and seeing how quickly Gwen responded to being outside of the Seelie Court was at once pleasing and a concern. Because they had to go back at some point, and the place would resume crushing him under its weight once more. So this is who you became for a time, after I had you, August said, mind drifting back over memories. What a mess you were when I first saw you. It was good, though, to have you choking on your own pain, twisting you up in pleasure, making you confess. Gwen took a shaky breath, and August watched him with hooded eyes, an idea having been in the back of his mind since they arrived. What did you like about it? 
August said, watching as Gwen flushed red and turned his face away from August, staring resolutely at what looked like a whirl on the wood grain of the wall. Gwen said nothing, and August didn't expect him to. He walked over and slid his hands underneath Gwen's shirt, his palms riding the sharp inhale he made. He slid his hands all the way up to Gwen's shoulders, exposing his torso, revealing it to the cabin. What did you like about it? August said again. I remember dragging your arms behind your back and the sounds of pain you made as you let it happen. Because I know now, I know that you allowed it, even if you felt like you didn't. You didn't teleport away. You didn't make your mind absent. You let yourself gasp into the pain of your shoulders, shuddered against me like it was something you were born to do. Gwen's breathing was already unsteady. His heart was picking up speed. August rubbed at his skin, then dropped his palms down to his nipples and brushed over them, before plucking both between his fingertips, one after the other, a constant stream of sensory feedback that had Gwen bracing himself with one hand flat on the wall. His other came up and touched August's side. He never grabbed, he only ever pressed his palm flat, or sometimes curled his fingers slightly. He touched like he expected to be shaken off, and it made August want to show him how to take something for granted for once. But not today. Too much work. This was supposed to be a break. I want you, August said quietly. I want to split you apart in your cabin around all the maps you made to escape whatever you were dealing with at the time, so that you'll come here again to escape, but not to escape me. Gods, Gwen breathed, head tilting back against the wall. His hair stuck to the poorly polished planks, clung white gold to it. August's hand shot up and grabbed a handful of his hair, pulling his head roughly to the side and biting down hard on his neck, feeling muscle shift beneath the skin. He didn't break through, but it was very good hearing Gwen's shocked sound of wanting, and it was even better knowing that August could bleach some of the viciousness out of his system through this, knowing Gwen wanted it. How do you want it? August said as he licked the bite mark with long sweeps of his tongue. Fast. Slow. Rough. Painful. He dropped his hand down and cupped Gwen's growing cock roughly in his palm, massaging it in a way that made Gwen squirm backwards and then forwards again, caught between the wall and August's body, breath huffing out between his lips. August pulled down Gwen's pants, cupped one hand over his cock, and then yanked them roughly, leaving them where they were caught at his knees. He reached up with his fingers and shoved them between Gwen's open mouth, pushing so deep he could feel the back of his throat working as he struggled not to gag and failed. August smirked, squeezed Gwen's cock hard when he felt a tongue working up between his fingers, when he felt the cleverness of that wet muscle curl around and into the crease between them, making August shiver. When he was satisfied the fingers were wet enough, he swapped hands, dropping the wet one down to Gwen's cock, and started to move his hand on him immediately, a fast, punishing pace that had Gwen cry out hoarsely until he stopped his own voice. And August had been waiting for that, dug his fingers in between Gwen's teeth, and then pulled his jaw down, lapping at his lower lip and listening to the sounds that spun forth, Gwen vocalizing helplessly, trying to close his jaw without snapping it shut on August's fingers. When August lightly scratched nails up one side of Gwen's cock, and then down the vein on the underside, Gwen cried out high and long, an exhale of sobbing following immediately after. He tried to get away from that, but seconds later his hips had pressed forwards again, asking for more. August twisted his palm over the head of his cock, then scratched at the tip of him, circling the flare of his cock with the edge of his nail. Gwen was struggling to catch his breath now, one of his hands making sounds where he banged it haphazardly into the wall, the other curved tight around August's waist and hanging on as though he wasn't sure he could hold himself up. August leaned closer, pinned his chest to Gwen's chest, made sure he would stay upright if his knees buckled. He hadn't thought it likely, but maybe Gwen needed this more than August knew. August licked into Gwen's open mouth, 
bit at the curve of his jaw, cupped up the rough pace, sped up until Gwen tried to form a word, but couldn't. August wouldn't move his grip from his jaw, bottom teeth cutting into the sensitive undersides of his fingers, and well worth it to hear every noise that would normally have been swallowed behind closed lips. The sooner you come, the sooner you can drink down your own release, Gwen. Think about that. Gwen wailed and stiffened at the same time, his cock thickening slightly in August's hand before spasms of release found him, each one roughly and quickly moving through him, as merciless as August had been, quick and wrenching. Gwen was whimpering even as August removed his fingers from his mouth. His mouth stayed open, lips slack, eyes closed, brow furrowed from the force of his release. Even August hadn't expected him to come quite so soon, but it was no matter, since he planned on him coming again. August brought up his other hand, dripping with Gwen's cum, and smeared it against his lips, laughing indulgently when Gwen's tongue slipped out of his mouth and licked a circle into the palm of his hand. <laughs> By the gods, you are obedient. Gwen moaned. Will you let me fuck you into the floor? Twist your arms up behind your back? Your knees might get hurt. Gwen was gasping again, hadn't stopped, really. He was trying to lick his own cum off August's hand, shaking as though he might have trouble keeping himself upright otherwise. August laughed under his breath. Pulling this needy creature out of Gwen's usual, even demeanor was addictive. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Gwen gasped. The floor. August waited until his hand was mostly clean, spit slick, and stepped back, licking a stripe of Gwen's cum off himself, and feeling a rush of pleasure at the noise of pure want Gwen made when he noticed. Gwen's release was as stark as the rest of him, bitter and metallic and even hostile, though August wondered if his own thoughts on the matter were biased. His first introduction to the taste of Gwen's seed had been under very different circumstances. Undress, then, August said, stepping back and pulling his own shirt off. He kept his pants on, only removing the belt and tossing it to the bed, drawing out the lubricant in his pocket. Keeping it with him everywhere had been one of the better decisions he'd made since commencing whatever relationship it was he had with Gwen. The haste with which Gwen took off his clothing was flattering, and August wrapped his own hand around his cock, stroking it to full hardness, his own arousal having been initially pushed aside when he realized how fast it was building. Gwen's eyes were drawn to his moving hand, and he slowed down as he watched, licking his lips absently. August almost changed his mind right then, asking Gwen to kneel and worship, but that was more Gwen's style. August rolled his eyes to remember. And August wanted to be buried deep, pulling Gwen's head back, exposing his throat, riding noise out of him until he shattered. Floor, August said, pointing to it. On your hands and knees. Gwen paused for a few seconds, balking. August grinned at him, and Gwen took a shaking breath, lowering himself to his knees and staring up at August. You like this entirely too much, Gwen said, looking up at his face after appearing mesmerized by August's hand on his own cock. August nodded, poured lubricant on his fingers. You should try it sometime, getting a king to kneel before his captive. It was so tedious when it was the other way around. August walked around behind Gwen and pushed him down at the shoulders, making sure he went all the way to his hands. Gwen's resistance wasn't token, and for a minute Gwen made him work for it. August dug his claws to two pressure points, and Gwen hissed a breath of pain out of the back of his throat, going down all the way. August reached around underneath him first, wrapping a hand around his limp member, squeezing on the edge of too hard so that Gwen's muscles bunched, his fingers curled into the floorboards. August realized they should have put furs down first, and then decided this was better. He was still wearing his pants, and they'd protect his own knees. And August could take advantage of Gwen's newfound ability to heal quickly— now that he was clear of Tigbalan's cruel, methodic madness.
He stroked long lines down Gwen's body, from his shoulders, down his sides, all the way down his flanks, curving his palms around his thighs. He was smearing the lubricant off his fingers, but it was simple enough to apply more, and he liked touching him. Gwen was responsive even when he was quiet. He trembled, he shifted, and like this, he wasn't behaving as though what August was doing was torture, as he had when August had been gentle with him. As important as it had been for August to make his point in that specific way, he wasn't interested in doing it again for a while. It just hurt too much. It wasn't only that it hurt Gwen, but that it wriggled sickening into August's heart and hurt him, too. This was familiar. It answered both of their appetites. Gwen and his love for pain and following orders, August in giving them, in doling out hurt and pleasure and watching Gwen shudder through both. He slid a well-slicked finger into the tight heat of Gwen without preamble and kicked his legs apart at the same time, kneeling between them, hooking Gwen back into him with a hand on his shoulder and claw tips threatening pressure points. Gwen made an abrupt sound, and then his head dropped forwards, his shoulders heaved for air. He prepared Gwen quickly. When he had two fingers inside of him, he curved them down and pressed unerringly against Gwen's prostate, and Gwen, oversensitive, sobbed out a noise of desperation before closing his mouth around it. August said nothing, felt a smug satisfaction as he did it again and again, until Gwen lurched to get away, and August only followed, pressing harder. Let me, August said, and Gwen shook his head, whined. Let me, or I'll wrap your cock up with so much waterweed you won't be able to come for months. Gwen was shaking his head, his elbows were trembling, and August jabbed mercilessly at his prostate until he made a sound that was pure pleading. A few seconds later, his elbows buckled, and Gwen went down to his forearms. It had the benefit of pushing his ass up more invitingly, making it easier to rub his fingers inside of him. Oh, come now, it's not so bad, August said, gleeful, and Gwen growled in frustration, dropping his head where he'd lifted it, pressing his forehead to the floor. (sighs) You like this too much, Gwen managed, and August knelt up and withdrew his fingers, stretching the rim of him. Just enough, I'd say, August murmured, sicking himself up, only needing a little of the lubricant to get himself coated. It stretched far. He didn't like Gwen's multi-purpose armor or ass lubricant. He preferred his own. This was far better. Let's not forget you like it too. Gwen moaned softly, helpless, a sound that was as much admission as it was denial, and August patted him on the ass. He wound his fingers into Gwen's hair, pulling him up and back, forcing Gwen back up to the palms of his hands. Gwen was still trying to find a way to make what August was doing comfortable when August thrust into him, pushing deep and bucking his hips up, closing his eyes at the feel of it. He paused for several seconds, studied Gwen's hip with his other hand, and waited as Gwen adjusted, relaxed around him. And Gwen did, surprisingly fast. When August shifted his hips in a smooth roll, Gwen moaned, the sound all the louder for his head being forced up and his throat being so exposed. Gwen pushed his head back into August's hand, and August massaged briefly, pleased, and then pulled his hair harder. Gwen trembled beneath him, whimpered a small sound that was both disarmed and disarming. This was so much better than Gwen flinching at everything. August had to hand it to him. He'd recovered from a great deal of that faster than he'd expected. August experienced a moment of simply not wanting to move, and he indulged it. He was outside of the Sealy Court, he was in a warded environment and at least temporarily safe, he was inside Gwen, and he liked that very much. For someone who had never been particularly interested in having clients for more than a weekend, August was surprised to learn that when he liked someone, when he committed to them, he was not insufferably bored after all. And even though this was something he'd experienced before— Even though Gwen's tightness around him, the fluttering of his internal walls, the way his body was sheened with sweat, was all so familiar, 
It was homecoming more than it was repetitive or unoriginal. He savored it in the way that he had been savoring more of the things in his life. August let go of his hair and reached around his shoulder instead, leaning over his back, hooking himself into an embrace that allowed him to press his chest to Gwen's back. He rolled his hips again. He couldn't get quite as much leverage like this, but he could stay deep. He could start a rhythm that was more undulation than it was making Gwen feel the full length of him, and that was good too. He started moving slowly, knowing that if he went too fast, Gwen might be too overstimulated to come again. And Gwen moaned intermittently between him, the soft, lingering sounds coming at unexpected moments. August couldn't predict them. He realized the sounds weren't connected to what August was doing so much as the closeness, the sensation of it all. It was his breathing that let August know when he was on the right track, and August followed that, the hitches and the pauses, and then the long, shaky exhales, the pleasing, sharp inhales. August made a loose circle around Gwen's cock so he could tell when he was getting hard again, and then he undulated and felt like he was moving underwater, rocked in the deep currents of his lake. It felt shockingly good, and for several seconds he had to redirect his arousal so that he wouldn't come too soon. Gwen had ruined him. It used to be a lot easier to simply hold off coming whenever he wanted. But everything with Gwen was immersive, and if he didn't concentrate, his body only wanted to lose itself in the sense of iron and other metals, and the way Gwen's muscles rippled with each thrust forward, in the sound of him. Spend your entire life convinced there's no one in the world out there for you, and completely uninterested in finding someone, and as soon as you meet some strange, seely, unseely hybrid, you lose yourself like a dumb romantic. Wonderful. But it was, and August found himself chuckling under his breath. Because it was wonderful. His whole life was a mess, a wreckage of a mess, and yet this was... August sped up anyway, chasing his own pleasure, holding it away from himself, wanting to drown in it. He stroked Gwen's collarbone with his other hand, and Gwen groaned, warm and thick, beneath him. Mm. I have... Gwen gasped. Other cabins we can do this in. August felt himself smiling, unbidden. Do you want to remember me in all of them, then? Yes, Gwen said, and August squeezed his eyes shut as he moved more insistently, dragging Gwen along into his second direction. He was almost certain that Gwen had no idea how much he revealed of his feelings for August. For so long he looked with eyes that were too earnest, he gazed, he exposed some raw nerve in himself, and this was no better. It was bittersweet that Gwen could give so much, and still believe this all to be so unequal. The noises Gwen made became more helpless as he hardened in August's hand, and August chased Gwen's arousal, pushing him quickly towards his second orgasm, using the tricks he'd learned over the months, fingers stimulating the head of his cock, his other hand offering long, firm caresses to ground him, and of course his own cock undulating inside of him, grinding his hips on the downstroke, making sure that Gwen felt him deep, that he wouldn't be able to escape the feel of him. He was almost certain he'd ruined Gwen for any other phase cock, but it was always good to be on the safe side. Gwen fell apart before he did, defaulting to half-formed pleas, and then simply saying August's name in a way that did nothing to help August hold back his own release. He lifted up from Gwen's chest, gained more leverage, worked his length into Gwen with a firm, grinding pressure that had Gwen back down onto his forearms and gasping out rich, lost noises beneath him. <sighs> Anytime you're ready, August panted. Gwen's cock started pulsing in his fingers, not coming yet, but so close, and August groaned at Gwen's responsiveness, rewarded him by speeding up. He found a rhythm that was stimulus enough for his own cock, laughed on a rush of breath, because what a novelty to not have to be so in control all the time, to balance out his need for dominance and power and control with this heady, thrilling offering. 
He spilled before Gwen, and Gwen tumbled right after him as August groaned softly, repeatedly through his own release. August pressed his lips to Gwen's shoulder, bit a mark into his flesh, another, while riding out his sharper, jerkier movements. He withdrew while Gwen was still trembling, looked down between them, watching where he pulled free, pushing two fingers into Gwen and pressing down directly on his prostate. Gwen jerked and grunted like he'd been punched in the gut, and then whined, falling slowly to the floor, curling on his side, forcing August to withdraw. Cruel, Gwen gasped, and August shrugged. Of course he was cruel. He wiped his fingers off on Gwen's body, and Gwen made a sound of discontent that only made August focus on doing it more. Gwen grumbled at him, but didn't move. There was a mess of cum by his side, spattered on the floorboards. Well, August said, no trows to clean that up. You always talk when I'm too tired to make you stop, Gwen said sleepily. August rolled him over onto his back and straddled him, pressing both of his palms down into his chest and staring. You're terrible at making me stop talking. Gwen furrowed his brows at him. You were a terrible king. August's mouth dropped open, and then Gwen flicked the smallest grin at him, still toothy, and pushed himself upright and pushed August off, standing up. August couldn't decide what shocked him more, Gwen's daring when it was obvious he was still shaky on his feet from being very well fucked, or the fact that he'd made a joke August was sure someone would have found funny. Gwen turned down to him and held up a hand. Come, there's a river nearby that's also warded. August let himself be drawn upright, picking up his shirt and his belt. Gwen did the same, gathering his clothing to himself. As they walked out of the cabin, Gwen turned to August and offered him a faint smile that was more in his eyes than his mouth. I'm not quite that terrible at getting you to shut up, August. Digging his fingers into milder pressure points at Gwen's shoulder was well worth the squawk of indignant pain that followed. The river was so brisk and the current so fast that August decided it wasn't worth lingering. He preferred the still waters of lakes, and besides, he could feel that this water wasn't his. He wasn't sure who it belonged to, but there were faint hostile strings of energy swirling about. This part of the river might be warded, but some of it certainly belonged to a fae that was hostile to Unseely. He cleaned himself off, hopping out nimbly and squeezing water from his hair, watching as Gwen cleaned himself thoroughly, seemingly unbothered by the frigid cold of it, except that his nipples were tight pebbles on his chest and his muscles shivered every now and then. August was dressed already when Gwen stepped out and shook water out of his hair. Gwen didn't have the benefit of water-wicking fabric like August, so he simply flicked wetness off himself with his palms and then pulled his clothing on while water still clung on to him in droplets. There was a hastiness in the way he dressed that made him wonder how often Gwen had done this on campaigns and battle tours. He seemed unbothered by his damp clothing. Watching the beads of water on his arms and shoulders disappear under his shirt, August suddenly wanted to drag Gwen down underwater, to wrap strong arms and waterweed around him, and instead of teleport him into his home, force him into the depths and watch his lungs work for air. It stole the breath from his own throat, and he gasped softly. But then Gwen was beckoning him over, and he pushed aside thoughts of hunting and drowning and watching Gwen struggle in the depths under all that water pressure. He would only let him breathe at the very last moment, or even a bit beyond that, after Gwen had fallen unconscious and had lost all faith that August would let him breathe again. Gwen dragged him down to sit between his legs, while he leaned back against one of the silver oaks near his cabin. He had both of his arms slung around August's torso, and his legs were slightly bent. The bow and arrows were by his side, forgotten. Every now and then his head would bow and August would find lips pressed slightly, closed but soft, 
into his skin. It was disgustingly sweet. He'd squirmed at first to get away, but Gwen had showed his quiet, constant strength, blocking him at every turn. August realized he'd really have to fight him, and became sure that he really wouldn't win if he did. He slumped back into Gwen's chest with a huff of dissatisfaction, and Gwen had pulled his damp hair aside and smiled into his neck, his arms strong bands around him, the very strength of him making August shiver. August's senses prickled, and he felt a strange shift in the energy around them. He couldn't quite tell what it was, and one of his hands drifted down to the forest floor, trying to discern it. He thought it was another fay, perhaps, but he couldn't be sure. It was warm and subtle, and he couldn't pick the locus of it. A moment later, he looked up in shock at the sound of animals moving through the undergrowth. A pair of foxes first, one yiffing at them loudly before they both scampered off together into brush. And behind them, a small herd of deer. They came remarkably close, and August stared at them, wondering if there was some other fay nearby. Perhaps an animal caller. They were rare, but they were more likely to be seely, and it was possible that— Hush, Gwen said quietly. I'm doing it. You're what? Several of the deer startled at August's voice, and two turned and trotted slowly away. The others stayed, watching and wary, not paying as much attention to August as they were to Gwen. Be quiet, Gwen said. You'll frighten them. You're frightening me, August hissed, trying to turn in Gwen's grasp to stare at him, finding himself imprisoned in his arms. He had no idea that Gwen could do this. None. And it wasn't as though the unseely court didn't have intelligence on Gwen— He'd been a soldier and a respected war general for thousands of years. The Raven Prince had run point on Gwen many times, and August had done it again when he'd had the power to send others out to gather information on him. Gwen should not have been able to call. Not like this. August looked up in shock at the sound of birds gathering in the branches above them. They all stared down, curious, and he shuddered at the sight of a pair of ravens, tearing his eyes away immediately. Hedgehogs ambled toward them through Tetterwort and Celandine, their spiny backs rippling. Not just a collar, then, but one who could cover a breadth of animals all at once. That was what August had felt swirling beneath them in the earth. It's not frightening, Gwen said calmly. They won't hurt you. They're just curious. They usually don't come any closer. By the gods, August breathed, suddenly realizing what this and Gwen's terrible, awful power combined meant. By the gods, you're classless, Fay. How long have you been classless for? Gwen stiffened, and suddenly the energy swirling out beneath them banked slightly. "'I'm not classless,' Gwen said. "'You know as well as I do that the only fae that are supposed to be able to call like this, aside from the animal callers, are classless fae. How long have you been able to do this?' Gwen was silent for a long moment. "'I'm not classless,' he said, stubbornly. "'How long?' August repeated, settling back against Gwen reluctantly when it became obvious that Gwen wasn't going to let him see the expressions on his face. Since I was a child, Gwen said, I've kept it secret. It's mine. It belongs to me. His voice was small as he said it, and August sighed explosively. <laughs> you read copiously. You know it is a trait of fame most likely to become classless. That plus your power. You must have had an idea. No, Gwen said. No, no. If I was classless, I would have been able to stop ev- A moment of stillness between the two of them, August's eyes widening in realization, and Gwen realizing what he'd been about to say, no doubt. The silence stretched, but August couldn't bring himself to follow the subject any longer, 
knowing where it must ultimately lead. Still, he tucked the knowledge into his heart with something like awe, wondering what the fey world might think to know that another classless fey lurked amongst them, ruled in alignment. Gwen relaxed in increments against the tree once more, and then, after several moments, the power strengthened again, and several of the deer came closer. One, a young buck, came close enough that August could hear him muffling through his long nose, scenting the both of them. Gwen's words echoed in his mind. I've kept it secret. It's mine. It belongs to me. He didn't need to ask if Gwen had ever shown this to anyone else. He already knew the answer. He swallowed. It was too much suddenly. Too much affection, too much niceness, and it was far too sweet. He twitched his foot at the buck, startling it. The buck withdrew, exhaling in surprise, but stayed close. No, August said, aware his voice was petulant. Send them away. This is trite. Is it? Gwen said, his voice far gentler than it had been before. Yes. One of Gwen's arms became a hand stroking at his torso. Ignore them. They'll leave on their own. The energy swirling beneath them stopped, and August couldn't bring himself to be sorry. He felt unexpectedly overwhelmed, aware that they'd have to go back to the Seely Court sooner rather than later. This taste of freedom was an illusion. Gwen's love for him was a weight he wasn't sure he could carry, and his own feelings for Gwen were... His lips thinned, but he stayed as relaxed as he could, appreciating the touch against his side, the languid way Gwen stroked him. It reminded him of how Faye could touch their pets and their animals, but August didn't mind. He was a water horse, tactile motions lulled him. He didn't want his own thoughts, and they were rippling through him, the surface of his mind disturbed. Gwen slid his hands under August's shirt once the deer had left, and August inhaled slowly at the feel of Gwen's broad palms encircling his waist. Calloused fingers slid up to his chest, resting, pressing him close. August Akushka, Gwen said, sounding oddly formal. Demoting me again, August said, joking. I, Gwen Apneed. August stiffened in his grip, eyes flying open. Bequeath to you the power of invisibility, hard one. Use it well. It was a rush of cold, liquid energy that slid into his chest, turning his temperature to ice. August choked. The new power was trying to blend with his existing ones. An internal struggle, the silvery-gray threads of Tigbalon's gift of invisibility battling to infest and invade the green, murky pool of his own power, the shining emerald center of it. Gwen's arms tightened as August's spine arched, his fingers cramped as they splayed. He shook hard, his jaw ached as his teeth chattered. The battle continued for several minutes. Gwen smoothed hair back from his face with one hand, keeping the other wrapped tight around him. August's eyes rolled back into his head. Sensations that were too intense to be pain racked him. His body rebelled against the power, responding to it like it was a poison, and his lungs tried to heave for air as his throat threatened to close. He scratched at a forearm until it was hot and wet, couldn't help himself as he saw silver firing off behind his eyelids, coiling and spiraling inside of him. Eventually, the green inside of him rose up, calm and inexorable, drowning the power. It absorbed it, turned it first into green bolts of lightning behind his eyes, until even that was transformed into something liquid and gentle. August gasped raggedly and went limp as he felt the power become his own. And in that moment, he knew how to use it, knew where it sat inside his body and mind, knew the shape of it. He sagged back against Gwen, who held him close, didn't seem to care that his forearm around August's chest was trickling blood. I'll need to bathe again, just wonderful, August thought. Are you all right? Gwen asked. 
You... Could have warned me. August coughed, and Gwen said nothing for several breaths. I didn't go through all that I went through for you to keep projecting it. It is meant to be yours. My center isn't justice. I'm not the person who should be punishing you for the crimes you've committed, even though I have, many times. I don't want you in the Seely Court, August. How did you even keep it in you for so long? It was feral, August said, his voice hoarse. I don't know, Gwen said, shrugging. But it wasn't meant for me. Perhaps that is why. August stayed silent after that, waiting for Equilibrium to find him again. He felt as though a meteor had dropped into the lake of his mind. He just needed the water to settle. He would feel less nauseous soon, he knew. He breathed slowly, waiting for ill currents to stabilize, appreciative of Gwen petting him with a free affection that he'd never shown in the Seely Court before. And then it occurred to him that only two hours ago, Gwen had been in a sour, bleak, despairing mood. And now here he was, completely different. You need to leave the court more often. Queen and kings do it, you know. You aren't as beholden to your court as you think. That's not what Albion says. Do I look like I care what Albion says? August said. He supposed he didn't look like he cared much about anything, lying limp with his eyes closed, sprawled against Gwen's torso. And you don't leave nearly enough. Look at you. Can you not see the difference? Gwen said nothing, stroked his thumb over August's cheek, and smeared away tears he couldn't remember shedding. The strain his body had gone through to accept Tigbalan's power had been painfully intense. You're in danger, August said. I know. I'm not the only one who needs to leave that court. A long space of silence between them, and August had just opened his mouth to say something else when Gwen said, I know. August waited. I don't know quite what to do, Gwen said. I can't cede the kingship. I've tried. Self-demotion doesn't work. And of course now, Creel would work any demotion to her favor. She'd kill you, August said flatly. She thinks you killed Afnissian. I dare say that long-lost sense of silly honor she has is awake and demanding retribution. Gwen sighed, and just like that, it seemed like reality drifted back to both of them. Gwen had tensed behind him, and August didn't want to be out here anymore. The idea that he had to return to the Seely Court, feel that energy abrading his spirit, his nature, was one that he thought he might resist with an actual escape attempt if he contemplated it for too much longer. And though he was glad of this new power, a chance to use it, he was reluctant to leave without knowing what Gwen's fate would be. Folly though that might be. Besides, he would still technically be the Seely Court's prisoner even if he escaped. Gwen's power as king had ensured that when he'd verbally announced August's capture— he remained the only one who could officially release him from the custody of the Seely Court. August pushed himself up to stand, only to find Gwen sliding a hand underneath his arm and helping him. He started to push away, and then realized he was shaky on his legs. After a minute, he had his feet, and Gwen moved away from him, picking up his bow and arrows, one forearm still dripping blood. They began walking away from the cabin, following the meandering river. It was obvious that Gwen knew they had to leave— but he seemed reluctant to do more than simply give the idea that they were moving with purpose. August stared up at the sky. The actual sky, not some unseely or seely court fiction. It was azure and bright. The sun was real and prickled at his skin. 
It was as they passed a lake surrounded by sedges that August felt himself unexpectedly crushed by circumstance. He staggered to a halt and wrapped an arm around his chest, staring at the still surface of the lake, face twisting with a measure of derision and anguish. He'd thought it was such a good idea at the time, getting out of the city court, but now... Is it the invisibility? Gwen said, crouching beside him immediately. August realized he'd sunk to his knees. He shook his head. Gwen looked in the direction that August was looking, and then placed tentative fingers on his back. Is it that you miss him? Ash, by the gods, it shouldn't hurt this much. It's not like we haven't been distant for years. But distance wasn't absence. August hadn't seen him for months, and the display didn't count. He refused to count it. And the last time he'd seen him, Ash had taken those shadows, and he... he'd... he didn't know what he was doing. He had no idea what he was doing. He couldn't have possibly known. He shrugged off Gwen's hand when it started to become an embrace, not wanting something so paltry as comfort in the weight of whatever was keeping him on his knees. After a few minutes of staring at the lake, he rocked back on his heels and took several deep breaths. That had been unexpected, but perhaps the storm of the new power had upset more than just his equilibrium, had tossed up things he'd hidden in the silt of himself. I hope one day he understands what you sacrificed for him, Gwen said, heavy. It was a flash of sudden rage. August was halfway through backhanding him when his wrist was caught in a tight grip. They stared at each other. I don't want him to understand, August snarled. I want him to understand, Gwen said implacably. They stared at each other for a minute before Gwen let go of his wrist. August lowered it awkwardly to his side. He turned to the lake again, aching for his home his home which he'd abandoned years and years ago, which was likely overtaken now and gone. He'd had all his herbal stocks in there and ingredients he'd collected over hundreds of years, gifts from clients and the whole house designed to be a haven for him and Ash both. A place where they'd grown up together. The lake he'd been born in. His breath came faster, and this time he couldn't bring himself to shrug off Gwen's hand as it rested between his shoulders. I don't want to go back. August said, voice shaking. Why can't you release me now? I have the invisibility. I could do so much more to get you out of that court if I wasn't in it, he thought. And I could see Ash and tell him that I'm different, changed, better, something. Because it's not yet time, Gwen said. August turned to him, wanting to see whatever odd tone he'd heard in Gwen's voice. But instead he saw a pained expression the way Gwen's brows were twisted up and together. His hair had dried into messy ringlets. He looked like some wild forest fay that had stumbled across a water horse. Not a king with his captive. It's not time, Gwen said again. Time? What do you mean it's not time? August straightened, readying himself to argue, when something else occurred to him. He looked up at Gwen, something oddly still about him. There's... You're waiting on something else, aren't you? There's more to this plan than what you just transferred to me. What is it? I can't tell you, Gwen said. It may be nothing. And if it's nothing, if it doesn't come to pass, I shall release you. And if it is something, I shall release you. Until I know, either way, you must stay. But... Something tortured passed over Gwen's face, was gone in a second. And then the indifference was back, the face he wore when he bore the weight of his court. 
But you should pack, Gwen said. You should ready yourself, for they will come for you when you're free, and you'd best be as prepared as you can. And practice that new power of yours. Learn it. Gwen walked towards him and placed a hand on his shoulder. August stared up at him, mind desperately scrambling to remember this forest, the cabin, the river, even the stupid deer and Gwen's stupid belief that he wasn't a powerful, classless fae when he clearly was. Is it because I'm unseely? August said, staring at him. You had to slaughter all those fae that went mad. You were promoted to a court that you didn't want. You went through all that effort to capture me. This can't all be because you like me. You're not that foolish. Gwen's face twisted, and he tore his eyes away from August. By the time they'd arrived back in the court, energy scraping at all of August's cells, Gwen's face was indifference once more, and he left immediately after. August thought of going after him, but he needed time to be alone, and shakily made his way back to the lake that wasn't his, would never be his, was only some taunting reminder of all he'd lost. He screeched in outrage as he tore at the foliage with his claws, stopping only when his hands were green with sap and his mind throbbed with the distressed energy of the plants around him, his harsh breathing sounding around him. He felt he could understand why Gwen was sometimes determined to destroy things with his sword, but August only had his hands, and he turned them on the lake he transformed with a vindictive fury.